Today on Consequence, more from David McCarthy about his life in the cult of Jay-Z Knight. The whole time I was there, I believed that I could walk away any time. But it took me seven years to walk away and another five to seven years to start cleaning this stuff out. This is Consequence, true stories about false things, presented by the James Randi Educational Foundation. I'm Brian Thompson. On Consequence, we look at the harm caused by believing in pseudoscience, superstition, and the paranormal, and let the victims of those beliefs share their stories with you. Today, I'm once again talking to David McCarthy. Last time on our show, David shared his story of leaving his family in New Zealand to join Ramtha's School of Enlightenment, a compound operated by psychic medium Jay-Z Knight. Knight claims to channel a spirit called Ramtha, supposedly a dead warrior from the prehistoric civilization of Lemuria, who wants to share his spiritual wisdom with his followers. Well, on today's episode, David goes into even more detail about some of the bizarre practices and rituals that go on at Knight's compound. And we talk about the difficult process of disengaging from a cult. But first, I ask David to walk us through a typical day as a resident follower of Ramtha. It all depends on what group you're in now. If you're a beginner, there'll be one program. And if you're a more advanced, um, so-called advanced student, there'll be a different program. And each level gets more and more intense. Uh, So a typical day, perhaps, when I first started, uh, you'd be doing these so-called disciplines. And there are various, um, uh, I don't know, practices that uh, Jay-Z Knight comes up with. Uh, there's one called field work. Uh, there's another one called tank, the tank. There's another one called paradise beach. So let me talk about the field work. And basically, it gets, it keeps harping on. Jay-Z Knight will keep harping on that uh, the mind creates reality. Consciousness and energy creates the nature of reality. That's the main kind of uh, slogan that's used there. Tenant of of the teachings. Now, what what's going on is that you're told, you're taught that your thoughts actually manipulate energy on the quantum field, and your reality is created from from your thought process. So the field work, to try and keep it short and, and simple, is that um, you're you're in a very large paddock. You make uh, cards, index size, and you put on that card something that you wish to happen in your life. Uh, it could be, f- you know, for a lot of people there to heal a cancer or, or a, a sickness in themselves or a loved one. Or it could be more simple or more just um, material like they want to p- uh, pay off the house and mortgage or they want a million dollars or whatever. So on this index card, you put a picture and a symbol. Uh, you have a bunch of crowns uh, and you spend a, quite a while visualizing and putting on this index card, what it is that you're trying to uh, create in your life or manifest, then uh, you go out to this very large field um, and it's, uh, it's got a fence all the way around it and then you pin on the fence your card and then you're blindfolded 
and then you put in the centre of the field where perhaps even a 1,000, 1,500 people, depending on what event you're at, and uh, you spin around, uh, and then you're off blindfolded to find your card. Now, the idea is that you're using your metaphysical uh, psychic powers or your God powers uh, to find that card. You're not using um, you know, your everyday uh, thought process. So if you find that card, uh, it's evidence that not only are you using your greater mind, your greater powers, and you're developing mm -hmm. that, but you're also going to manifest that in your life when you find that card. Did you experience anything or do you know of anybody that experienced anything that they they chalked up to their mind influencing reality? Yeah, but yeah, I, I would do it myself. Uh, but in reality, uh, it was pretty much self-delusion. Um, of course, uh, things will happen in your life by chance or just by, uh, how would you call it, the program you're on, the circumstances you're, on, you're in, in, in in that time. But, um, you know, people... For instance, uh, I I would put on my card um, perhaps um, healing something inside myself or maybe it'll improve or maybe it wouldn't, but the, the chances are that it may improve on it by itself. But definitely nothing of consequence uh, happened in my life uh, from those cards and that, that work and neither has it happened for about everybody I knew. But if you question somebody... Uh, I, I, a friend of mine, I did talk to her about the card work and did she manifest anything from that? And she said, oh, yes, I paid off my mortgage. I, on my card, I wrote mortgage paid in a picture of my beautiful house. And within a month, uh, my mortgage was paid off. And I thought, wow, this is very extraordinary. Maybe there's something to this. I said, well, what's the circumstances? How did that happen? She said, well, uh, my mother died and I inher inherited uh, – uh, some money. You see, the logic <laughs> is completely. Uh, so I said, no, that that wasn't manifesting something at all. That was just uh, uh, the fortunate. You're very fortunate to have had an in inheritance. But in her mind, it was through that card, uh, you know, doing the so-called disciplines. And I didn't like to say, well, if you're thinking of it in those terms, maybe you uh, did some harm to your mother. But um, Right. Yeah, she killed her mother with the yeah, power of her mind. Yeah, so I didn't go there. But you see the the twisted logic uh, that, that comes with that. And also you're constantly looking for uh, that it's working. You know, you look for signs that something's working in this. And um, you may spend eight hours trudging around on this field, bumping into people in the rain, in the cold, uh, and, and, you know, you oftentimes you may not even bump, find your card. You're bumping into people, but eventually if you find your card blindfolded and amongst thousands of others that are pinned to this fence, then, of course, you feel elated and, you, you know, you, you're told you've got to let everybody know and jump around and scream and create a fuss. So, yeah, of course, you know, you can say, well, these abilities, psychic abilities – metaphysical abilities were developed and I found my card blindfolded, but the chances are you're going to find a card anyway. Uh, and I didn't see it any more improved with, uh, with anybody that they found it through so-called psychic abilities. Now, there, are, there seem to be a few different activities that involve being blindfolded. Uh, in our last conversation, you talked about uh, people lining up and running toward each other while blindfolded. And, and you sent me a bunch of photos here. People can see these at uh, consequencepodcast.com. Um, 
And they seem to show a lot of people being blindfolded in different circumstances and situations. So what, what's going on in these, these photos? Yeah, what, um, if you look at the ones of the children getting blindfolded, you notice that even uh, they're having duct tape put around these blindfolds so they can't even peek or see light. Um, so this, this is going on to uh, put them in situations where they're completely um, blinded and uh, unable to see where they're going. And they're put into various situations like the field work, which I just explained. Another situation is called the tank, which is a huge maze about uh, eight foot high, probably about 300 feet across. And the object is that you'll be put in this maze with thousands of other people and you've got to find your way to the center of the maze and they call that that the void. So, um, again, you may spend 8, 12 hours uh, in, the, in this situation uh, and it's very, 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 very difficult. Very, very, how could I explain it? Um, it's complete sensory deprivation. Um, there's no bathrooms, there's no food. Uh, children in amongst the adults in this situation. And what most RSE people, students are unaware of is uh, at the center of, the, of this maze, there's the void, as I said, but there's a, there's a doorway. Um, one of the panels is moved aside to let the chosen ones through. I call it grooming. And Jay-Z Knight will select certain individuals that she's grooming some reason maybe they're very wealthy or there is something that she feels uh, she'll benefit from and she'll allow those people into the void that she selects and certain staff members uh, have been instructed to you know uh, let certain people in uh, and the rest are kept out so you're not going to know this is going on because you're blindfolded and you know I've been in touch with former staff members who've told me exactly what was going on and uh, how certain, you know, favorites and um, how would I put it, uh, put it, um, some of the uh, more successful RSE students in the hierarchy uh, are doing, has been successful in the disciplines where the truth is they were just groomed and, um, and used. So that, that tank is one uh, experience, the big maze is where uh, the, the students are, are put in, like I say, men, women and children. And you can see in those photographs children been led blindfolded they've got their hands on the child in front and they've been led to the tank and uh to me this is child abuse brian uh this is absolute child abuse children should be not put through this uh, i rescued a child in there at one time who was crying huddled up in the corner getting trampled now you're told not to help anybody no matter what the situation is don't help anybody because they are creating their reality, just like you are. And so pretty much I, I did that. Uh, when people would be hurt and screaming and crying in, in the tank, I would not help them. But this one occasion, there was a child crying. I don't know if it was a little boy or a little girl, but uh, I knew it was a young child. And since I'd left my two children in New Zealand, um, there was something that I just could not ignore with a child crying. So I found my way, pushed my way through uh, the people to, to where this child was crying and then bent down. I found this child huddled up, uh, getting pushed and kicked around on the floor of this, of this uh, maze. So I just uh, put my arms around this little one and just protected uh, the, the child and uh, called out to 
the staff members that are, have got platforms on the top of the tank to come and help to pull this kid out. Uh, so the kid um, eventually got pulled out, um, lifted out, and then I was told uh, in no uncertain terms to, how they put it, to get back to my disciplines. You will know focus, do not interfere. So um, I felt kind of good the child was pulled out. But again, even in that state of mind, I was wondering if I should have left the child because, you know, in that um, belief system, you think, well, the child created that reality. So um, it's, it's, it's having a very, very powerful lesson and I shouldn't interfere. Yeah. So it seems like it, at, a, at a place like this, there have to be a huge number of personnel, staff members and inner circle type people. Um, the higher up people in the organization, the people just under Jay-Z Knight, the people in charge, the people pulling these these blindfolded students into the middle of this maze, how much do you think that their actions were motivated by um, simple delusion or, or simple uh, conviction in what they were doing? and Or, or how much of it do you think was, was purposefully um, deceptive? Uh, I, I think the majority are... Um, sincere, uh, self-deluded, or been um, pretty much brainwashed into believing in the program. But also, there are a certain amount of staff members that uh, are perhaps in this place of uh, waking up and um, trying to understand what's going on. And um, eventually, they they pull out and they quit. And uh, like I say, uh, several staff members have told me what's been going on in the tank, how it actually works. But they, like I mentioned in our previous interview, we've all signed this document called the NDE, Non-Disclosure Agreement, and uh, they've pretty much feel they can't speak out publicly about what's going on. So, yeah, there's a mixture, Brian, of people that sincerely believe they're doing the right thing, um, and they get fractured. Uh, this is the other strange thing about being in this mindset is that the whole time I was there, I believed that I could walk away any time. I believed, no, I'm, I can, uh, I'm not brainwashed here. I can just walk away. But it took me seven years to walk away and another five to seven years to start cleaning this uh, stuff out. So it's, it's um, this mindset that you're in you believe that you have your own mind. In fact, you believe you have more critical thinking than the man on the street because you're, you're, you're learning so-called uh, ancient wisdom and enlightenment and, um, and you're a part of a group that's um, just uh, learning this uh, so-called amazing knowledge. There's this real appeal to feeling like you have information that the rest of the world doesn't have. It's almost like it's, uh, it's self-fulfilling or at least it's... Uh yeah, there's obviously there's um, an environment of secrecy, top secrecy about what's actually taking place there, and these practices, um, Jay-Z Knight Ramford would would call initiations, very secret, ancient initiations from the ancient schools of wisdom. So you feel kind of privileged, and also you know that they're going to be very, very tough. Um, it's going to be. Uh, eight, 12 hours sometimes of, of this boot camp style practices where very often you, you collapse with exhaustion. And in that state of mind, uh, you're going to be projecting all kinds of, uh, uh, how would I put it, justifications 
you're going to start seeing what you want to see rather than what's there. So that's the nature of brainwashing, Brian. It's the nature of the mindset. Uh, and what, um, what cult um, indoctrination is all about. Let's talk about some of these other photos here. There's uh, a photo of uh, many, many, many people packed into what looks to be some sort of uh, auditorium uh, that's filled with smoke. There's lots of photos of people smoking, Jay-Z Knight smoking, and then a group of look to be like teenagers, uh, young, young people, uh, one of them smoking a pipe. Um, what, what's going on here? Well, smoking and drinking uh, and even taking drugs like Prozac is encouraged at RSE. Uh, but you don't really get into that uh, behavior until you reach you know, certain levels uh, of the groups. At the beginning uh, events, you won't see any of this. But the, all these uh, uh, situations... Uh, like with the arena there filled with smoke, well, just about everybody smoking a pipe. And there's, there's a so-called science behind it. You know, there's certain ingredients in, to, in the tobacco that open up the mind. Um, so that's, what you, that's why you're seeing that smoke there. And, of course, uh, with the wine drinking, um, there'll be three full glasses of wine knocked back within an hour so it's not long before just about everybody is totally blasted in drunk on wine. Um, and uh, the teenagers are, are smoking tubes. A lot of them have pipes. Uh, I met this family where their child was six years old, had their own pipe, and were very proud of uh, this little boy smoking. So this Is, is it just tobacco or is it some yeah, sort of yeah, special it's, blend? It's, it's a – what they uh, – I didn't – I never – uh, smoked, so I never went into this myself. I could never smoke, but it's tobacco that's bought in the local tobacco and wine stores that's made for for pipe smoking. And um, I try and find the information that Jay Z Knight Ramford gives out about what is in the tobacco that is so important. Why these people need to to smoke so much and drink, but that's part of what you're seeing. There's part of the insanity of uh, of what goes on, and interestingly enough is in this arena you're going to get about 2,000 individuals all smoking yet uh, there's no smoke alarms going off because they've been switched off so this has been uh, again with the fire marshal that have been notified about all this carry on and they do nothing we'll get back to david's story in just a second but i wanted to take a moment to ask you a favor if you like consequence please take a minute and leave us a good review on iTunes. It really does a lot toward promoting the show to new listeners. And if you or someone you know has had an experience with pseudoscience or the paranormal and wants to share it with us, it's easy. Just email consequence at randy.org. That's consequence at r-a-n-d-i dot o-r-g. Now let's get back to the show. How much personal contact does an average member of the school have with Jay-Z Knight? Very little. Uh, If you really want personal contact, you're going to be selected and groomed for that. Unless you attend one of their dinners with Ramtha, which can be from $5,000 a hit upwards. So if you want to be close, get close, then you have to buy your way in, basically. Or there's something... Uh, about you that Jay-Z Knight uh, wants to, to use. 
like you're a celebrity uh, um, or somebody that's wealthy. But basically, if you really, uh, really want to get close to Jay-Z Knight uh, and Ramtha, then um, if you've got plenty of money, that's one way in. And then you can buy into these so-called Ramtha feasts, uh, which, uh, again, it can be $5,000 upwards a pop for an evening, just an evening dinner and been a one-on-one with Ramtha where pretty much um, everybody gets, again, drunk and um, blasted on wine. Well, I want to talk about the end of your time with this cult. Uh, We touched on it a little bit before, but I would like to go in a little bit more detail. I know it was a gradual process of coming out of this, and it's been a gradual process uh, to get your mind out of this place where this is uh, something that you're willing to accept, these teachings. Um, So what was it like? the day that you decided that you were going to leave? Oh, um, a feeling of um, kind of dread, I, I, I think, because on one hand, um, you uh, just uh, know you want the freedom. You want to actually step back. But on the other hand, you, you have a feeling that you're going to be uh, failing on something that you put uh, myself up at seven, seven years of my life into. So there was a feeling of dread and also you're going to be, you know, there's going to be uh, a backlash. Uh, you're going to be people that are, are close to you in a community are not, um, uh, how am I going to put it? They're going to cut you off. Uh, you're not part of the group. Are you going to be back to square one? So it was a mixed feeling, Brian, of, of fear and excitement. And, um, but again, um, Thank goodness it just felt that I just needed that break. And I would tell everybody, I'm just taking a break. I'll be at the next event. Uh, and that gave me enough window, enough oxygen to to breathe and get my mind clear. Did you have any role models? Were there any anybody that you knew of before you that, that got out, that, that inspired you to follow in that path? Not really. Um, the only person that um, I really uh, had a lot of respect for strangely enough, was Jeff Knight, uh, Jay-Z Knight's um, ex-husband. And I met him a couple of times and thought him to be a really genuine, kind man. Uh, And then with the court case and the divorce um, uh, problems that he went through and what he started to speak out, and I felt everybody shunned him. uh, And I just felt that um, wasn't necessary. So, again, that helped me when he started speaking out and calling RSC a, a, a corrupt and a very dangerous organization, that was pr- perhaps helped me back then to think, well, maybe Jeff really was understanding something. He'd been close to Jay-Z Knight for 12, 13 years. So that was perhaps one person. Um, and there were, there were, there is a website called FactNet and, um, there was a board, there was a section for former RSE people and a few people had posted on that, their thoughts. And I made that leap to just post, you know, my doubts. And that, again, opened the door to uh, finding my life again, finding my own um, critical thinking. So, yeah, it, it's it's very, very, uh, how would I put it, dangerous, not dangerous, but d- difficult and really not many places to turn when you come out of a, a cultic uh, abuse environment. Oh, Brian, I want to mention something here that um, most people relate to cults as being a closed community, like a gated community, but they're not, not at all. Uh, cults in cultic abuse can take place in open uh, organizations that seemingly 
don't have, uh, you know, restrictions, physical restrictions. So the kind of cult with RSC, although it does have a compound and you are locked in uh, during these events, you actually have your own homes uh, and your own lives outside of that as much as possible. Where the cult really operates is in the mind. Uh, the the walls, the the limitations, the compound really is in the mind where you're locked in uh, into a mindset. And that's the most dangerous place uh, because wherever you go, you're basically carrying the cult around in your head. Um, and then you go back to the cult to pretty much get uh, your refill and get recharged. And that's why it, it's very important to be able to step back and have some time out of these cult environments to try and get your critical thinking fired up again and, and working. What were some of the specific allegations or revelations that you heard about Jay-Z Knight that made you, that really impressed you and really solidified your opinion that she wasn't telling the truth or that she was completely wrong? Well, there's so many, Brian. Um, during the time I was in RSC, Jay-Z Knight had a bodyguard, uh, let's say Ramtha had a bodyguard, his name uh, was Glenn Cunningham. He was a big strapping fella. And I used to see him walking around with Rampa thinking, wow, how fortunate, how enlightened this man must be to be in this position. So for many years, uh, I was in awe of this man. I just thought, what a brilliant, special man he was. And then um, after I'd, a few years after I got out of RSC, um, I met Glenn in, in the township there and had a chat. And I said, Glenn... Um, what happened? You you quit RSE and uh, you disappeared. And he told me, well, he realized um, that it, it was it was got too dangerous for people. It was very destructive and he had to step back. And I said, well, how come you never spoke out about it if you knew that? He said, well, he did. He went public and uh, as being Daisy Knight's former bodyguard, he went public and started to tell all his friends and RSE students that uh, Jay-Z Knight is a fraud. Uh I said, well, I didn't hear about it. What happened? Do you dis disappear? He said, well, Jay-Z Knight called an event and ha in front of over a thousand people, told them that I was plotting to murder her. I said, that's, that's insane. You, you, she told everybody you were planning to murder her. He said, absolutely. So I had to leave town. So that's what happened to Glenn Cunningham, somebody that did speak out back in 92. So I asked him, I said, are you willing to speak out again? This time, try this again. He said, yes. So I got a video camera and uh, I did uh, a whole bunch of interviews with Glenn, which are available online. Uh, if you do a Google search, uh, Glenn Cunningham interviews, Jay-Z Knight, then he explains everything uh, that was going on back then and what he saw, uh, Jay-Z Knight, um, just the mask falling away to reveal that she was an absolute fraud. So... Uh, I really appreciate Glenn because he also helped me understand uh, how even somebody walking around with Ramp for Jay-Z Knight, even at the time, he knew it was a fraud uh, and just thought, well, I'll do this as a job in the money. But eventually he quit because it was uh, destructive and uh, corrupt. Hmm. What sort of advice do you have for people who maybe have a friend or a family member who belongs to a cult or looks like they might be starting to get into a cult situation what's the best way to to talk to somebody like that uh depending on that level of involvement basically if they're already in 
and uh, pretty much, um, you know, swallowed the poison, then I don't recommend head-on confrontation uh, because you're taught to expect that. You're taught that this is what's going to come at you because they're going to pull you away from enlightenment. They're going to pull you off uh, the path. So uh, I always recommend that you keep a lifeline, uh, a, a candle in the window type um, strategy that you, you stay in contact and always uh, know you're there for them and gently, very gently try and push them into areas of, of questioning and you know, visiting uh, different websites that question uh, RSE. Um, the problem is the challenges in, a, in, in that mindset is one of the disciplines or one of the um, lessons that we had was I remember sitting there very clearly in amongst perhaps 1,500 other students and Ramtha, Jay-Z Knight, comes out and asks us to draw a diagram of circles and various circles spreading out um, to the outside of the page. And we were asked, put your name in the center, which we did, and then on the next circle, in the next space, put those people in your life that are closest to you, uh, your mother, your father, your wife, your children. Then on the next circle out, you put in the most the people that have affected you most uh, profoundly in your life, your teachers, uh, artists, musicians. Then on the next circle, you put in your religion. and you put that in. So at the end of this exercise where we're going through all this stuff, uh, Jay-Z uh, Ramfra says, right, on the outer circle and all that space that's left, you put in God, you put in void, you put in enlightenment. So we did that. And then we were told to stare at this picture and, and then we were told everything you see from the center outwards is stopping you from achieving alignment. It's stopping you from being who you are, the God who you are. So what needs to be happening is that you need to put all, that, all those people aside. They will not die for you. They will not reach for you. In fact, they're holding you back from enlightenment. So in the early stages, Brian, you're taught that Society is against you. Your parents, even your children, uh, will ju are just needy. You know, they're, uh, they're just basically using you. And the goal is enlightenment. Once you reach enlightenment, your God, you can turn back and then you can help these people. Then you can do something for them. At the moment, you're trapped in the center by all these influences. So somebody that's caught it up in this uh, cult mindset, RSE, will view their relations, their family, as uh, a block, as some uh, a hindrance. So that's why I'm saying, back to your question, that anybody that has a loved one in RSE or a cult similar to RSE, they need to tread very gently uh, and not, um, if you like, attack the belief system because it it's counterproductive. It will push them deeper into the mess, into the web. If someone who speaks out against the school can be accused of plotting to murder Jay-Z Knight, has, has anything that serious been well, levied I've, against you? Yeah, I've been threatened, physically threatened, uh, by somebody that uh, accused me of judging them in the school, um, threatened to cut my head off. Uh, it was pretty nasty. Uh, they were drunk, come around drunk, or were in my living room. And these were uh, very dedicated uh, students and... Uh, I lost pretty much uh, half my friends, maybe more. Uh, my uh, pretty much what I was really concerned about too is my um, my income, Brian, because 
you know, as a lot of, like I explained in your previous interview, there's so many people that come to this organization from abroad and they cut their ties and they're working and they're really dependent on that community. Uh, and so if you start actually even hinting or speaking out, then you could pr perhaps find yourself without any kind of income. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is that um, uh, backlash, uh, shunning, I guess is a good word, that happens. Uh, a lot of people would just think that I'm a very nasty person, um, that I'm very angry um, and nasty. And d as RSC would call me a disgruntled student, you know, just just brush me off as just somebody that's just disgruntled who, who didn't do their disciplines and is a failure. So pretty much the shunning program is, is, is fully operational in this organization. And this is what you're up against when you step out. Uh, but then I had a few surprises where some of the more hardcore students would secretly come up to me and say, thank God, David, you're speaking out. I'm with you all the way. And uh, I said, well, why don't you step out too? He said, well, I can't. I have too, too many commitments, my family, my friends, the non-disclosure agreement. Um, so it's, it's a trap. And it's a deadly trap for a lot of RSC people. They don't survive it. Hmm. So how does this, I mean, outside of your work in educating people about the, the School of Enlightenment and about Jay-Z Knight, just day-to-day and -day, day-to-day regular life, how does your experience with this cult still affect you today? Um, I, when I first um, started speaking out and then, I helped to put together our website so students could find each other and, and help each other. I just envisioned that it will be a year or two, and then I'd move back to New Zealand. Um, I also thought at that time there was some saving grace, some pearl that's got to be in there somewhere. Um, but as I started speaking out and started to look at what had happened to myself, others came forward, like Glenn Cunningham, and other staff members and started to tell me some of the real hardcore information about what really had been going on in RSC. And it was so horrific, Brian, the, this information. It was like I could not just walk away. Uh, I'd felt, and I think most people that can relate to this, if you've been in a cult experience and been abused in that, it's equivalent to being raped. I call it mind rape. And you... It's one thing to walk away and then try and get some healing and understanding. But th then what do you do if you know the rapist is still on the street? And this is where I found myself, where I started to be, understand so much information, uh, so much more about what RSC was really about that I thought, well, I'll give it a bit more time and get this information out there. Then I'll step away. Uh, and then with other people coming on board and helping and meeting each other, it's formed a new community, if you like, of trust. Building trust is one thing uh, that anybody coming out of RSC has a very hard time to do because you've been betrayed. Uh, I don't know how to describe this feeling of betrayal. It goes to, if we have a soul and a spirit, it goes to the root of who you are, that you feel, feel you've been totally betrayed by this uh, organization. And so to rebuild that trust in amongst others is very, very hard. And so with what I've done and, and others, we're rebuilding a community of trust and try and find, if we can, another spiritual foundation or footing, which to this day I have not. Uh, I believe 
perhaps my own core spirituality is that I'm a human being. We have a, our humanity, and I care about um, what happens to other people in my family and, and friends. And that is as close as I can get now to any kind of spirituality. But this is the work, I guess, I feel I am doing. This is perhaps a spiritual path is, is be a human being, be honest and caring. And um, if others are suffering or um, been hurt, you don't turn a blind eye. And this is uh, what RSE is all about, uh, is about as bad as it can get with an organization for abuse. And I'm not about to, to stay silent. That's all the time we have for Consequence. Special thanks once again to David McCarthy for sharing his story. Please check out his website, Enlighten Me Free, at enlightenmefree.com. If you've been harmed by pseudoscience, superstition, or the paranormal, and you want to share your story on the show, please get in touch by emailing consequence at randy.org. That's consequence at r-a-n-d-i dot o-r-g. Consequence is a production of the James Randy Educational Foundation. To find out more about the JREF's mission to promote science, skepticism, and critical thinking, just visit randy.org. Consequence is produced by me, Brian Thompson, and our music is by Planet Shifter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>